Welcome to the Destiny Church Tees Valley podcast. As you listen, it is our prayer that you are transformed by audacious faith, inspiring hope, and extravagant love. We're in a series called All In and All Out. And um, many of you that were here last week will remember that we talked about cricket didn't we? You might have remembered a little bit about cricket. Now, I don't know if you like me, but I haven't got much clue about cricket. And, um, but, uh, but I have enjoyed watching a little bit of cricket um, over the past few uh, weeks. Um, but I have been rather put off ever watching it again. <laughs> Australia have thrashed England, haven't they? Um, They've, uh, only because they've got the best bowler in the world and the best batsman in the world. Um, but other than that, <laughs> um, having said that, England are doing well this time, aren't they? Yes? Um, but it is a game that obviously talks about being either all in and uh, the whole aim is to get all those that are all in, all out. Yes? And, um, but for, for, for us, uh, we've been talking about uh, being all in for Jesus and the importance of being all in for Jesus. And so last week, um, we introduced uh, uh, the theme uh, with a short video about missionaries. At one time, missionaries, they were, they were called one-way missionaries, and that's because they would pack all their belongings into a coffin, and um, because they knew that it was one way, they were never going to return, and many of them were martyred, um, because of the tribes and the people that they went to, and um, and and, uh, and and you know we we heard the story of uh, one particular uh, missionary and uh, how he went and he spent I think it was about 35 years there, and uh, and so we talked about that that uh, that metaphorically speaking, that uh, that God wants us to pack our coffin. In other words, we He wants us to. Uh, to have that mindset that it's of a no turning back. We're, we're going on with Jesus, we're following him, and there's no plan B. We're going on with him. We're not looking for an easy life. We're look, not looking for another way to do things, but we're all in for Jesus. And we looked a bit at that. We looked about uh, at uh, Hebrews 11 and the heroes of faith that are in that chapter and some of the things that they were willing uh, to do and to go through and to suffer for the sake of the cause. It was because of what they had to look forward to that they were willing to do or to go or to be um, uh, what God required for them in that situation. And for all of them, it was very uh, different. It's not a cookie-cutter lifestyle that God has for us. He has a journey for us. He has a plan for us. And it's up to us whether we choose to go that plan. It's always a choice. Um, you, you know, it doesn't really... Uh, matter what it is that God has planned, the choice is yours as to whether you follow it. Now, of course, and so this week I want to look at that. Now, uh, thank Bruce last week nicely made me a coughing. Um, it's a bit small for me, but um, but maybe he's hoping that I'll maybe shrink a bit or he'll cut my legs off or something <laughs> to kind of uh, to get us in. The whole point was obviously a an illustration of metaphorically speaking of of packing our coughing. And, um, and so this week, 
uh, we're following in the, in the, on the theme of all in and uh, all out for Jesus. <clears throat> um, but this week we're going to talk about putting it all on the altar for Jesus. And this was the nearest I could get to having a, an altar, uh, as it were. And um, so again, it's, a, it's a trying to put a picture that in other words, uh, I want to talk to you this week about, um, about what, it is, what is it that's in your life that's more precious to you than God. Because God wants to be first place in your life. He wants to be number one in your life. But so often through life, I would say, we go through different phases. But there are many things in our life that can take place of God in our life. And so he wants us to put those things, be willing to put them on the altar, willing to give them to God um, from that, uh, as a result of that. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Because about being all in for Jesus, about being all out for Jesus, is about passion. Passion is what God is. God is a passionate God. He's a God who loves us passionately. And uh, we know that, that uh, when we look at the life of Jesus, the passion of Jesus. In fact, the last week of his life was known as Passion Week uh, because of what he suffered and the passion he had to willingness to suffer when he didn't need to suffer because of those that he could see. As, uh, as Hebrews uh, 12 talks about, for the joy set before him, he could see something that put joy in his life, that put joy in his mind and in his heart, that he was willing to suffer and go to the cross. That's what, that's what Hebrews 12 talks about. And so that's the kind of response that God is looking for from us. He's looking for it to be reciprocal. That as he's shown us his great love, he's wanting us to show our love in return to him. You could sum the Bible up with, uh, with four words. Love God and love others. Absolutely. Yes, that, that's the, the simplicity of it um, and that. So I want us to quickly just look at Genesis 22. And uh, if you've got a Bible, you can turn to it. If you don't, uh, headlines. <laughs> if you, they, may, they may put it on the screen. Um, they're pretty good, the tech guys at the back there. <clears throat> they get me out of a fix many, many a time. But the, our, our story this week, the, the main story this week, is about Isaac and uh, about Abraham. And so I'll just read just a couple of verses. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now, the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac is a hard one to swallow, isn't it? Because when we think of a God who loves us, a God who has our best interests at heart, the last thing we think of is for him to ask something so Difficult, so, you know, so, such kind of hard in so many ways. Why would he ask us uh, to do that? It is hard for us to comprehend and to understand this because it is, a, I don't know about you, but if God was to ask me to put Nadine on the altar, oh, maybe that might work. But, but <laughs> she's going today, she's leaving today, so I'll be nice to her. But, uh, but you, you can understand, for those of your parents, you understand for God to, or for anybody to ask you to do that, it would be like tearing your own heart out. You would say, rather me than them. 
And so it was a very difficult thing uh, for God to ask um, um, to do that. But we see, and we read it in the text there, God tested Abram. It was a test. And so God knew what was going to happen. He knew that, the, 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 that, uh, that it was a test, and he knew he could provide an opportunity. But in any of these things, we've got to understand that what is it that we can learn from this? What is it that we can take from this for us in our lives? Because God is not wanting us to go home and sacrifice our children. Yes, our children might be glad of that. <laughs> but, uh, but he's not looking for that kind of thing, obviously. But, uh, but he did do this with Abraham, and he did. And for, it's for us to learn the lessons from this, which I think is so important for us. And the first thing is, is that it was a test. Now, of course, we know Abraham passed the test, yes? He passed the test and, um, and said, well, now, from the Jewish tradition, Abram went through ten tests. And this was the final test. This was a kind of an all-in uh, for, for, for God test uh, for him. And we know that Abram, when we read the end of the story, we know that he passed uh, the test. And the issue with tests is that they're there for a number of reasons. Now, when, when we were at school and we under, went, went through a test, I don't know about you, but we really did not, I certainly did not enjoy tests. I didn't go into a test room and think, whippee, can't wait for this. I would go in with fear and trepidation and thinking, I hope there's at least something on the paper that I can answer. I'm hoping that it's a kind of one of these with no, you know, multiple choice answers and at least I've got a kind of a chance. If there's only two of a 50%, if there's four of a 25%, you know, you're kind of getting the calculations out. How am I going to do with this? And, um, and so we, we, we're nervous of tests. We don't like tests. They put us under pressure. Um, and that's the whole point of them is that for a test, the point of a test is not that it will pull you down, but it will reveal your strengths. It will, you will have your opportunity to demonstrate what you know and, uh, and, and what you're able to do. That's what, what tests are there for, aren't they? If you're having um, a test of cycle proficiency test, you're trying to show the examiner that you are proficient in riding a bicycle. So whatever it is, tests are very useful uh, because they show and they reveal the skill, they reveal the talent, they reveal the knowledge, they reveal the character of the person taking the test. And so there's two aspects to a test. There's the first test when God is testing you. The, the, the first aspect is, is that when we go through a test in life, it gives us an, an, an opportunity when we trust God in the test for God to reveal himself and to provide for us like he did with Isaac and provided a ram for him. So that there was, there was a provision. God wants to provide for us, but he needs us to trust him. He needs us to step out. He needs us to be all in. And just like Abraham, what, what, what God says is, is, I'm not going to show you the provision until you step out in faith. And so we've got to be willing to step out in faith before we actually get what God uh, has for us. He's got things in store for us, but we have to pass the test. And, uh, and so the second thing is, is obviously it reveals in us, it reveals to the world around us, if uh, people are watching, um, that, that we have passed the test. It, it reveals the strength within us, it reveals the character within us, it reveals what is in us is coming out. It's an outward manifestation of what is in us. So in other words, if you come into a test and you've got a faith test and God asks you to do something, it's what's in you that's going to come out. 
So, for example, it's not suddenly the test is not going to bring out something that's not in. It has to be in before it comes out. So the test is only going to reveal it. So, in other words, like when John is doing maths tests uh, when he was at school, um, you know, when, when he was a teacher, should I say, and he's doing them, um, and where's um, uh, Jean-Jacques? Now, he's still doing it. He's teaching now. For example, when he gives them a, a, a maths test, in that test, that's not the time to learn maths, is it? It's a time for them to, to, to show what they have learned, to, to reflect what's in them. And so when God puts us through a test, he's not wanting us to learn at that point. He's wanting to reveal what's in us. Now, when we look back at the test, we can learn from what was in the test as we do all tests. We are able to examine and think, okay, I went through this test and I failed this test. Now, why did I fail this test? And so we're able to learn from it. I passed the test, but I could have done better. What could I have done? And so God tests us and he wants us to learn from it. Now, the issue is if you don't have a test, there's no testimony. So you only have a testimony through a test. So, for example, when I went to Bible college... And I, was, uh, and I was learning in the lectures, that was not a test. Yes? There's, there's no testimony in that because it's just, it's just, I'm just it's, there's a learning environment. So in other words, you today, this is not a test. Well, I don't think it's a test. <laughs> test of your patience, maybe. <laughs> test, of, test of your uh, uh, ability to put up with, uh, with me. But, but all I'm saying is, is that, 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 that this is not the test. You don't, you, you know, when you sat in a lecture, when you sat in a, a thing, it, it's, uh, it's, it, it's not going to do anything, is it? But it's only when you're in life, the test that God puts us through, that we have a testimony is the is issues that happen in life. It's the events of life. It's the circumstances of life. It's when you're in debt and you, then you're trusting God to to be able to get out of it. It's when, it's when you're in ill health that you're trusting him for healing. It's in the difficult times that you have a testimony without that. So in other words, how can you know God is a healer? Well, when you get sick. Isn't it? So that's how you, that's how you learn and that's how you think because it's an opportunity to trust him. And so God is looking for that. And so that's the whole issue with this story of Isaac is that we realize that it is important for us to go through tests in life. And this wasn't the only test that Abram, uh, that Abram took. Um, uh, we know that some of the uh, tests he failed, didn't he? He did, he did some things and he failed the test, but we know that overall. And so sometimes we fail tests in life, but God doesn't say, oh, you failed that test, you're out. He just says, no problem, we'll bring it up again. We'll, we'll, we'll do it in another way. We'll just, I'll wait while you're not expecting it. <laughs> and then he brings the test. So in other words, today, I'm just... Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about this, about what, does, what in your life needs to go on the altar for God. What, what is it that God is going to do in your life um, and, and wants to do in your life, but you've got things in your life that you're not prepared to sacrifice, you're not willing to give up uh, for him. Yes, I think it's important. James chapter 1, <clears throat> first couple of verses, verses 2 to 4 says, Count it all joy when you go through trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces patience. <clears throat> Trials are the arena in which God, uh, in which we have the opportunity to show our faith, to show our hope, and to show our love. It's in that arena of life when we go through trials. Abram was willing to sacrifice what was most precious to him. And as a result of that, 
God showed himself to be a provider. And so that's the same for us. God doesn't tempt us, but he does test us. And there is a difference between temptation and testing. So when we are tempted, that's the whole point of a temptation, is to bring you down, is to show your weaknesses, is to kind of to make you feel guilty, is to kind of discredit you or to discourage you or to make you um, d despondent or depressed or there'll be a lot of other Ds, I'm sure, in there. The, 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 that's what temptation does. It's not trying to think, but when you go through a test, the whole point of a test is that it brings out the best in you. God puts us through tests to build us up, to build our faith, to grow our faith, so that we become better as a result of it. And it's amazing when you go through tests, how God tests you, that when you get through and you start in your journey with Jesus, you start in a small test. It's maybe something small. But then when you trust God in that small thing, then you're able to think, well, I, I trusted him in that. Then God asks you for something else, and then you, you, you're able to trust with that. And the thing is, is to realize in the journey of your life, your life with Jesus, is that the test will progressively get harder. Just like at school. The tests that you get uh, when you're in junior school are not the same tests you get when you're in high school. They're not the same tests you get when you go to college or you go to university. You know, so the, 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 the more you grow, the tests get harder. But they're not beyond you. God will never test you beyond what you can bear. In fact, God says even when you're tempted, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. In other words, God is always on your side. He's always giving you the opportunity. The problem is we don't take them, do we, so often in life. That's, that's the unfortunate thing uh, for us. So let me ask you a question. What is your security in? What is it that you find secure? What is it that's so precious to you? What is your Isaac? What is it in your life that is so precious that if God asked you to give it, you wouldn't give it? Yes? Because if there's something you say to yourself, God, if you ask me to give you that, I don't know whether I could give it, that's your Isaac. Yes? It's something that's so very precious to you. So I think it's important to ask ourselves, what is our prized possession? What is it that you value the most in life? It might be money. It might be your career. It might be your position. It might be your family. It might be your children. It might be some... Uh, accolades, it might be uh, some accomplishments, uh, like uh, Kath was talking about in the prayer meeting this morning about trophies. Uh, there may be some things that, that, that your prized possession that you're not willing uh, that, that, that you're not willing to give up or you, you've never thought about. But today, God is wanting you to think about them and to think, okay, now is that more precious to me than God? Is that of more value to me than God? Would I struggle to put that on the altar? Would I struggle to kill that in my life? Would I struggle to offer that to God? That's the question that we, that we need to ask ourselves uh, about it. And it's so important for us. Because so often, the things that God gives us, we end up valuing them more than the giver. Is the gift more valuable than the giver? And God gives us things. The thing is, the more God gives us, and everything we have is owned by him, everything, he is the source of everything, because the time, the talent, the treasure, the things uh, that are in your life, all come because he's given you. He's given you life. 
He's given you the ability to earn money. He's given you the ability to earn accolades. He's given you whatever it is in your life. He has given you the ability, either the intellect or the skills um, or the relational uh, nous to be able to, to, to do certain things. And so he's done it. It's a gift from him. But unfortunately, we then put those things and they become more important to us. And so this was the case with Abraham. Abraham and, and Sarah had been without a child. They, she was barren. She had not had any children, and they were getting old. He was 90 years of age and still not. And God gives him a promise. Now, the issue is, is that when God gives you a promise, you know you can put, take it to the bank. But the issue is, it's not like you can do, all right, I'm going to the bank right now. It's like it's in God's time. And so... Um, so Isaac, so Abram had been given, and, and Sarah had been given this promise, but so you can imagine that when that came to be, and Sarah was pregnant, and, and Isaac is growing up as a, as a child, and then Abram is asked to, to put Isaac on the altar. Can you imagine how that must feel, that this is what God has they prayed for, they've longed for all their lives, it's been an answer to prayer, it was God's promise to them, and then God takes it away. You know what I've found in life is that when God gives you a dream, when God gives you some precious things, that it goes through a, a, a series of, of, of developments. There's, there's, there's a plan to it. And I see this over and over again. So God gives you a dream or God gives you something to go for, something precious. Um, and when you get the dream, what happens is you have to make a decision to decide to go after that dream. The question is, will you go? That's the biggie. Will you do it? Will you not? So often we go for the dream, and then what happens is there's a delay. And things are just not happening when we thought they would happen. And we think, but God, you promised them. And you said this would happen, that I would have a son, and I would have this, and, and that if I followed you, there would be certain promises. And we get all that into, into the equation. And so as a result of that, we, 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 we go through a delay, and we struggle with that. And then it goes through um, difficulties. There's kind of some difficulty. What's the problem? Well, they had a difficulty, didn't they? Because, um, because she was barren. Sarah was barren. There's always a difficulty. Well, how's this going to happen? And what's this going to do? And so when God puts a dream in your life, there's going to be some difficulties. It might be resource difficulties. It might be skill-based. It might be people. It might be all any number of things. It might be training. It might be any number of things that actually that you need uh, in your life to be able to see that dream come to pass. But you go through a delay and it goes through difficulties and then eventually goes through a dead end. It comes and you just think there's no way this dream can come to pass. It just seems that no, it's impossible. It, it, can, it cannot happen. And that happens so often in our lives that we come to these dead ends. But I tell you what, God specializes in deliverance. He specializes in resurrecting that which seems dead. It could be a dead marriage. It could be a dead religion. It could be a dead career. It could be dead in health. All sorts of things that could seem it's a dead end. But I want to say to you in God, he can turn that around. He can transform that. And he can change it so that the dream comes to pass. He did that with Joseph, didn't he? He gave him a dream. Very clearly gave him a dream. And yet he went through difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. Till eventually he was in prison and just left there and expected to die in prison, but God brought about a deliverance for the sake of others. It wasn't just for Joseph's. Everything is, is, for, is for others. And we've got to understand that. And we, one of the things we need to take out of our vocabulary is the word I, me, my, mine. 
because it all belongs to God. It's his. He is the source of everything. It's amazing how we do that, don't we? We get something and suddenly it's mine. But it's, we should never say it's mine because it doesn't matter whether that's a house or whether it's a car or whether, it, whether it's um, you know, a caravan or a boat or a watch or clothes or career, whatever it might be, anything that you have belongs to him because he is the source and you've got to see him as the source of everything that you have. Nothing. In fact, the early Methodists devoted themselves to God with a covenant prayer. So I just want to read it to you. And I've changed it because it had the these and thys in. So I've just changed it in its language. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whoever you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Or a modern one, uh, very, very similar, is one that Ralph Neighbor has, and it just says, I am willing. I am willing to receive what you give. I am, willing, uh, I, I am willing to relinquish what you take. I am willing to lack what you withhold. I am willing to suffer what you inflict. I am willing to do what you command. I am willing to be what you require. This is what is on God's heart. He's looking for that kind of response. Amen? that we would be doing that. So let me ask you this very simple question. Whatever it is that's most precious in your life, are you willing to give it to God if he asked you? Are you willing to give it to God if he asks you? That's, that's, the, that's the question. Would you do it? And I think it's a good question for us to ask ourselves, yes? So one of the big ones for all of us is money, is it not? Money is a big example for us, yes? And I find that the more money that you make, the harder it is to trust God because you're trusting in what you have. So if you've got lots of money in the bank, you tend to trust in the money in the bank rather than trusting in God. And it's so harder to do that. And so what God gives us a blessing so easily can become an idol in our life, yes? And so God uses money to test us. <clears throat> So let me ask you, are you willing to give your money away if God asks you? Are you willing to give away what you've got in your bank account, in your savings account, in your retirement fund, in your investments? Whatever it is, are you willing to do that? If not, you've just found your Isaac. You've just found what is so precious to you, and you need to, God, God will challenge you on it, because that's what he does. He wants to test the heart. Now, does he want you to have no retirement fund and no investments and nothing? No, he don't. And, and God, the scripture talks about us, about us ensuring our families looked after and, and planning for retirement and, and, and where's the mother-in-law? And, uh, and, and leaving your family an inheritance. <laughs> 
do you know what I'm trying to say? So God's into those things. So he's not trying to deprive us, but what he's saying, what is number one in your life? Because he doesn't want to play number two. Certainly not number three. Number four, woo, no way. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So God wants to be number one, and that's the issue of it. It's not, it's not uh, that. Now, I want to say to you, time and time again, Kath and I, we have given out of, of what God has given to us. We have given sometimes, and we've thought, well, this is, to the natural reason mind, we thought, that is stupid. It just doesn't make sense. But we know God's uh, asked us to do it. And I know some of you have had the same situation. We're standing in this building because some of you, because you answered what God had put in your life, and you said, I'm going to, I'm going to give that because that's what God has asked for. But have you suffered as a result? No. Actually, when I look back on what we, when we've given stuff and thought, I don't know how we can afford that, and you go through the whole thing, you know, I'm human, and, uh, and, and you go through and think, oh, maybe I made a silly mistake, whatever, you know, maybe I got it wrong, whatever. But you know, when I look back, to, you know, say after 12 months after, I'm thinking, look at where God's brought me. And I see the things that God has done. But again, the God's going to get another test. And God gives another test. Let's just make sure. And you think, God, I've just passed that test. I've just, is that, no? <laughs> do you know what I mean? So God is constantly looking to make sure that he is number one in our lives, that it's him that's the priority. And everything we have, we see it as for him. It belongs to him. It's a very different thing about stewarding things than owning something. It's a very different mindset to have if you do that. So this is so important. So on that basis, I want to just to have a quick look at the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 22. So it says this, Now behold, one, uh, one came to him, uh, came to Jesus and said, Good teacher, what good things shall I do that I might have eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? What's still missing in my life? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here was a wealthy, young, good-looking powerful man. He was a ruler. He was a leader. He was young. He had his whole life ahead of him, and he was wealthy. So you would say to yourself, if this guy had everything, why is he asking Jesus what's still missing? He understood that there was some emptiness in him, that there was a voidness in him, because he, he'd had everything of a material uh, life around him. And so it's so important for us to ask those. You see, he followed the rules but he wasn't following Jesus. He kept all the commandments. He didn't do anything wrong, but the problem was he wasn't doing right. You see, you can concentrate on doing nothing wrong, but actually what really matters, righteousness, is about doing right things, things right. So in other words, I like it when my daughters don't do wrong, but I like it even more when they do things right, when they do good things. And that's what God is looking for. He's not just looking that you keep 
certain rules and regulations. He's not just looking that you live one certain way. He's looking that you'll follow Jesus. He's looking for where your focus is. He's looking for whether you are willing to put your Isaac on the altar for him. And so this is so important for us. You see, the problem is, is what we miss out of this story is, and I think about this, is, <clears throat> is this rich young leader, he said no to Jesus. Now, we don't know about you, but we look at that and we think to yourself, yeah, but Jesus, you are asking too much. You're asking for him to sell everything he had and give to the poor. He'd no longer be wealthy. He'd be broken and, you know, and things. So, so why go to that extreme? You see, but so what we do is we look at what the guy had to give up. What we don't focus on is actually what Jesus offered him. See, Jesus offered him treasures in heaven. But more importantly, he said, follow me. In other words, he offered him an internship. And in today's world, an internship is of immense value. One of the things that we see uh, all over the world, people by their thousands will move to various cities and countries and whatever so that they can be with the right mentor. They can have the right person because they know that if they get the right internship with the right person, it will open doors for them so that they can have access to opportunities that otherwise would not be available to them. That's why so many people go to London. They're going uh, because they want to have an apprenticeship. It might be in the financial sector. It could be in musicians. I know musicians that will travel to other parts of the world and they'll do it on a weekly basis because they want to be with the best musician that, that plays their instrument that they can be. They want to be apprenticed. And here we find Jesus, the God of the universe, the creator and sustainer of the universe, says to this rich young man, he says, follow me. That's the internship of the universe. He could have had an open door. He could have seen things and done things and been part of the things that would have affected his life, not just in this world, but for all eternity. Now, I think that's worth following. Is that not right? So that's what we miss so often in these stories. We often see things from our own rationality and see what we're giving up. And we're thinking, what am I putting on the altar? But when we put the things on the altar, that, the thing is we focus on the cost. But what we need to do is to have a paradigm change. We need to think differently. So instead of it's the cost, it's an investment because of what doors it's going to open and opportunities it's going to give us so that we can actually invest our lives for eternity. Because the things that we can see are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And I believe that's so important for us to be able to do. Is that right? Amen. Run out of time. Uh, just, we, what we'll do is, have you got your communication card? I'd love for you just to be able to put on there, what is it that's your Isaac? What do you sense God's speaking to you? Because we believe that God is here. We believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking. As I've talked to you, that the Holy Spirit is talking to you today. And there's something that God's asking you to put on the altar. He's saying to you today, will you give me that? Will you give me your Isaac? You see, so often God wants the Isaac, and when we're willing to put the knife into it and willing to see it dead, actually God raises it to life again. And not only raises it to life again, he gives us something better. He gives us more. He gives us increase in so many ways. But all we see so often is the sacrifice.
We can't see, as they say, wood for the trees. We can't see a perspective. And we've got to have a change. The whole thing of a Christian life is a changed perspective. Seeing life from a different vantage point. Being able to see things from God's point of view. And that's one of the wonderful things about the Word of God. And if you're here today and you have never um, had the opportunity just to search about the Christian faith, there is the Alpha Course that Faith talked about earlier. Just come on it. Get on it. It gives you a chance to ask questions and just to learn. It is very eye-opening, yes? It's more interesting than me, that's for sure. Um, but it's good. Get, get on that. Uh, whatever it is that God is asking you today, I just want you to write that down. And maybe it's something that I don't know what it, what it could be for you. And I'm not saying that you would have to do it, but I'm just saying, are you willing? Is there something in your heart that God's speaking to you about that, he's, that, that you're aware of that actually it's more precious to me and I put it in first place before God? I just want to leave that with you. In Jesus' lovely name, amen. If you would like to know more, please visit us at www.thedestinychurch.co.uk.